And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Welcome, boys and girls. We're back. We took a load, uh, a load off for load management last week, but we are back. We spent some time with our friends and families. So two week little hiatus, but we're back. We're ready to get some, get the ball rolling here. I'm, I'm joined by my man, the the father of the basement, Hot Take Harrison. We love love to have you on. And then the accent, George. You know it's coming. The thunder from Dan Anda. George is here as well. We are kind of emulating the heat a little bit too in their eight man rotation. We're 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 we have a lengthy injury report. We're going with three here today. I'm your host, LJ Cascon, if I didn't say it earlier. And I'm upset I wanted uh Ariel on for because those who don't know, Ariel went and saw the Raptors game in person and got to see Dwayne Dedman get kicked right in the fucking balls right there in the flesh. I thought that I, I couldn't wait to ask him about that, but unfortunately that'll have to wait for another day. But a little bit of news before we start here. Injury report just came out from Miami. And as I hinted at a few minutes, a few seconds ago, it is a lengthy one. And the biggest one being Jimmy Butler, who was rumored to maybe make a return in the first game in Boston, will not be doing that. He will be gone for the first game in Boston as well. Vic also out. That's not exactly a surprise. Uh, and that's going to make the margin for error really, really slim because you want to at least split the pair in Boston and it doesn't exactly, you're not exactly putting all the cards on the table for that to happen with Jimmy not being out there. But before one looks ahead, one must first look back, an ancient Chinese proverb coined by me, uh, looking at the week in review. So since we last spoke to all of you, Miami uh, did a fun little thing going 0-4 on an injury-riddled road trip before breaking the snide against Washington at home and then a feel-good win over the Hawks in Atlanta in their most recent outing. And that was a really, really good game for Miami. But during that 0-4 stretch, that did include three of the most iconic, legendary turd quarters of all time that I can remember against Toronto, Minnesota, and then Washington before Thanksgiving, as well as three absolutely botched and blown games on the road against Toronto, Washington, and Minnesota, basically engineered by those turd quarter uh, blow buys. But I predicted three and one on last uh, and two weeks ago show, and so with uh, being completely wrong and going zero and four there, I, I I feel like when Bane picked up Batman and just broke his spine over his knee, that's what I feel like when I come to predicting games now. So that was the straw that broke my back. My positivity is drained, and I am done predicting games. The good news is, as far as uh, wanting to switch it up from a a predicting aspect. It looks like Miami's ready to try something different too. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's start off the man who's really replaced Jimmy, his minutes, the main chunk of his minutes in his role on offense, Caleb Martin. This is a Caleb Martin appreciation segment. Harry, let's start with you. What have you liked about Caleb Martin's game these last three games now? He's three straight games of over 20 or more points. Well, what have you loved from Caleb? I mean, I usually like Caleb's game. He, he seems obviously, um, maybe a little more confident than he did earlier in the year. He seemed like he was kind of adjusting to that starting role. And so I think um, in a weird way, putting him kind of in Jimmy's role, which is what he was doing off the bench last year, has made him a bit more comfortable. So I think he'll have more of an adjustment again when he goes back to the team. I think just kind of letting him um, you know, be the center fielder on defense, just kind of causing havoc back there in the passing lanes, and then just being aggressive on offense, getting to the basket, um, is really going to be promising for him. You kind of just want him to go out there and play hard and hope that he can. Honestly, the Caleb, you know, it's kind of you just kind of want him to like hit some open shots and and take take him without hesitation. He's been doing that, so um, 
not that you ever want to see your best player out for any reason, but I do think um, the Heat kind of needed something to, to show them that they could win without Jimmy because if you guys remember in the games that Jimmy did play, um, when Jimmy sat, the, the team, especially offensively, fell apart. And so to be able to, you know, to put Caleb kind of into his spot and show that he's he's been great out there. Um, you know, really just got to give him props. He's been playing really well. I know people get – I think what happens a lot of times with Caleb is, you know, the Heat found him basically for free. He's now, you know, getting paid a very decent um, bench salary and playing well. I think people are just sometimes they, they expect a ton from him because of he's the starting four. But um, if he's going to give you 20-plus points, he's always going to give you tenacious defense. And, you know, if he's going to be – he's been a more of a playmaker this year, which I think is kind of the growth that you need from him. Um, I don't think anyone could really be upset with his play. And if he's going to step into Jimmy's role and play like this, uh, the hope is that he can scale it back down a tiny bit when Jimmy's back but still basically keep up the same energy and the same type of play and you're in good shape with his minutes, and I don't think there's really any complaints about Caleb right now. It's seriously crazy, though, the difference that you get in Caleb's play when you're asking him to actually play his native position of three instead of stretching him out at the four. He was so-so. I mean, he was very willing. I've said it on the podcast before. He was a very willing uh, player of the four, but the results were a little wishy-washy. But again, three straight games of 20 or more points, three straight games of Caleb at the three, three straight wins. Coincidence? I think not. You have Max Struess now a little bit in that, getting a little in the mix in the four. I think you might see, I touched on it earlier too, on maybe Miami trying to switch some things up. That might be something that I think stays. George, what about you? Do you think this lineup kind of stays a little bit, even when Jimmy comes back of Max at the four, maybe? I see them mixing it up to a point where they're just going to, they're, they're looking at trying mostly anything because they know that they're limited with what they've got on the roster at the moment and they see some things work. I, I was not surprised by this Caleb, you know, uh, expanded role and his success in that, in that role. It's, um, it's indicative of what he did last year as well. Very, very close to what he did last year when we had a massive injury report, 10, 11 players deep. We were signing G league players, filler players. Um, Caleb was killing it. And I, I keep getting reminded to that game uh, in Milwaukee when we had, no one, no one. We had uh, PJ, we had Caleb, we had um, I think Lowry was there. Um, and Caleb just went off, he, he took the reins and he, he really um showed that it could be a, a, a good offensive fit for this team going forward. The, the thing I'm surprised about his role hasn't changed, but the one letter in front of his name, uh, at the, at the end of his name does change, and, and, he, and he plays like a completely different player. Um, when you go from power forward to small forward, I feel like it's a mental game that, that he's playing with as well. Really saying that, you know what, oh, okay, now I'm playing my role. Now I'll play, you know, how I need to play. But he's still guarding the same players. He's still guarding. He's still, uh, you know, attacking the same players. It's nothing's, nothing's changed. I think it's just a, a mental thing with him. And um, and that's fine. If he wants to, <laughs> if that's the only reason that he's playing, he was, uh, you know, underperforming, just put the SF next to his name anyway and we'll be we'll be happy. But look, I'm I'm happy to see him um, expand that role. But I, I know for a fact that he'll they'll probably slide him back to the four when um when Jimmy comes back. It's just not something you want Jimmy to do. Even though I believe that that's in terms of winning games now, that's the right move. He's to slide Jimmy to the four, put Caleb at the three, 
and see how we go from there. But um, but um, I'm really I've been really happy with him and the whole Max Strew situation as well. Seeing him at the four as well. I, if Jimmy's back, there's no way that they play him at the four. They they they're they're set with their their backcourt of Flower and Hero, and they're gonna want Jimmy and Caleb to play together on that floor as well. Because just because Caleb gives you just a little bit more um, athleticism and 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 overall defensive capability than than Max Struess, but but I'm happy with what um what they're producing right now. I, I do agree though. The uh, Jimmy at the four in the playoffs, come playoff time, that just makes more sense. But it's just not feasible in the regular season because you don't want to you know grind Jimmy's knees to a nub and then end up like Oladipo. It's just not practical. You don't want that to happen. But so I want to ask one more thing. We'll follow up for both of you. How does Miami really keep this version of Caleb going though once Jimmy returns? Because you're getting at least one more game of it. In the first game in Boston, Jimmy's rumored to kind of come back in that second game against Boston. But so you get one more game of looking at Caleb doing Caleb things, presumably. But how, how, do, how do you think this team kind of orchestrates him back into this similar role once Jimmy's taking up those minutes again? Um, I think you really need, like, might need to stagger their minutes a little bit. Like, we kind of have talked about how we want, um, you know, we want uh, Caleb to kind of be Jimmy's backup, you know, backup in the game. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, we kind of want that. So I think that's one thing they can do. Well, I was also just kind of looking back. I mean, Caleb's averaging two steals a game over his last four. Um, he's shooting well from the field. I think he's at 48% for the year and he's hit, he's at, I mean, he hasn't taken a ton of threes, but he's at just under 41% from the year from three. Um, so people were really worried about that. Cause that was a number he hit last year. No one really thought that was real. I guess they see the hitch in his shot and they're worried about that, but his contributions are real. He's a solid rotation player, and I just to figure out a way um, to bring Jimmy back while limiting his minutes at the four and making sure when he's in there he's kind of playing his natural position, which means like use his length to guard smaller guys. He doesn't need to be banging down low with guys. That's really not going to be helpful for him and his game. And just I don't know. I mean, if you were if I was the coach, if you're staggering kind of thing, like if you still want to start Caleb. Um, you know, take him out first, maybe make him the first sub, and then quickly bring him in for Jimmy whenever you want to make that substitution. And just work that out. Like, let him play the three. Let him kind of – you see it's more of a natural game. It's not Jimmy's fault, but just that he's better at the three. And I think when they're together, he tends to be at the four to save Jimmy from banging a bit down low. So I just think that's what they got to do. They need to really focus on putting Caleb in spots where he's comfortable um, hopefully the three ball continues and hopefully he just continues to be a menace defensively. If you can get that from him, you know, they're playing him a ton of minutes, but if you can get 30 good minutes from Caleb, um, that contract's more than worth it. And, you know, they're going to need everything from him with the way the roster is constructed right now. I, I think that if I had to, you know, in, inject my opinion of how they kind of mix to get this Caleb on a consistent basis, once Jimmy comes back, it's exactly what you said, Harry. It's, maybe move him to the bench. And I don't want to say Tyler Hero role because he's not the scorer Tyler Hero is, obviously. And I don't want to, you know, degrade Tyler more than uh, some other people have already done. But I, I think in that particular role of being the first one off the bench to kind of inject that life, because he's an incredible energy guy. Like that's what he was last year too, before he really sprang onto the scene against that game in Milwaukee, against Milwaukee. He was just that energy guy. And that that is so huge to, for Miami to have coming off the bench. Just, just the mentality of the team, the way that they had that one seed last year was with, energy coming off the bench with Tyler. You have that again with Caleb. I think it works really, really well. Uh, George, what about you? How, how do you see this team kind of orchestrating Caleb back into the mix or 
getting this results out of Caleb once Jimmy comes back. Yeah, I think it really comes down to tending to what um, Caleb's needs are as well as a you know we, we did pay him, we did put a lot of um, in faith into him and um, his capabilities on this team. Um, I, I believe that his future role does lie in Jimmy's backup coming off the bench, the first player off the bench. Um, I, I just think that he brings so much. You said it before, he brings energy as well. When, when you see him play, he plays with a lot of confidence, a lot of energy when he's at his peak, when he's at his best. And that's really playing the same role that Jimmy does on his team. And, and I'm not saying he, can, uh, he can't start. I'm just saying that putting him in that position will probably do a world of, a world of good for his game and a world of good for the team. Because if you put him there, you, you put him, uh, you know, a, a better, a more able-bodied at, at the four. I think you just start Jovic at this point. He's he's <laughs> too good not to play. But um, having Caleb and, and hopefully a healthy Victor Oladipo off the bench eventually would just, and Gabe Vincent and, and other players come down the track, would just be the best thing for him. Playing that 27, you know, 30-minute role sort of thing off the bench, it's, it's no laughing matter. It doesn't degrade you as a player. Anything that the only thing that changes is you take the jacket off a little bit later, but I I know for a fact that he he can back up Jimmy to an extremely high level. He, he's been replacement a replacement for Jimmy over the last stretch, few stretch of games, um, but I I honestly believe that sliding him to the bench is probably the best move once the team is healthy, once everything can go back to some sort of, some sort of sense of uh, normality after this whole injury crisis. Also, too, that that segment or that sequence they had in Atlanta, where he has that block and then he turns down and goes down the other end and scores. It's like you need that. And so, George, another just quick follow up for you. I know you're rubbing your eyes there, but better energy guy for you all time for the Miami Heat, Caleb Martin or Chris Silva? Which one? Don't you ever disrespect Chris Silva's name ever again? That's what I was <laughs> in on. terms of energy, that guy is a class, top tier. I, I I've never seen a player like it. Uh, too bad he could do absolutely nearly nothing else on the floor. Mount Rushmore of energy guys from Miami, right? Uh, he, he's there. There's Caleb's there, and uh, I, I got to give Carl Guy that 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 uh, <laughs> little award as well. He gets the the noticeable notable mention as well. The Kyle Guy West Coast trip of 2021 will never be forgotten. It was beautiful, and and then the cheerleading of Mario Chalmers' return. It's um, <laughs> only it's, to rock the never only to rock the bench. I've I've never seen Mario Chalmers look like I wanted to see just a full cam of watching him sit on the bench, just look to Spurs. was like, "Why am I here? Why why did I why did you even pick me up?" And it's just really for the fans so they'd stop trying to, to <laughs> then so they'd have a little bit of happiness in that eleven man injury crisis that we had last season. But now this team's always full of energy, guys, as well, and you're going to find them throughout. Uh, you know, through through these moments as well, who's really going to step up? But Caleb Martin just had something about him. He's got, you know, I, I want him to be able to to fight anybody on the floor as well. He's got that aggressiveness. Um, just capitalize on it. You know, you got you got to keep it going even when the the team's healthy. Exactly. Yeah, we saw that in Toronto that Caleb Martin doesn't take no shit. So I want I want more of that, honestly, from Caleb, especially when Jimmy's out, but not getting ejected because you know we're low on bodies, and then suppose going to be forced to play a seven man rotation. Can we sign Conor McGregor to a ten man contract? Ten ten day contract? Is that is that, we, is that possible? No, no, because Carnival stocks down, and Mickey's not going to use that empty roster spot. He's not doing anything right now. I just seen him post about five times on Twitter in about thirty minutes. I he think he's doing uh, an heat jersey, but Mickey's never going to go for that. See, this is why we this is why we can't win. Yeah, ex exactly correct.
moving on, though, to something that we can win at is Bam Adebayo's development, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to take a look at the bigs that are kind of behind Bam, too, which is basically um, a corpse called Deadman. And, well, who's been good in his role? But I'll, I'll, I'll give Deadman a little, uh, some props in a little bit, too. And then a European teenager. But aside from that, Bam has dropped back-to-back 30-point bangers for the first time in his career. That's 30-plus points in back-to-back games for the first time in his career. And he looks to have taken the step, regardless of being the focal point in an offense, like, or in regards to taking being the focal point of an offense. When Jimmy comes back, does that remain to be seen? I don't know, because we got fooled by that a couple of years ago in Brooklyn when he dropped 40 without anybody out there with him. But this is different. This just feels different to me. He and Tyler have showed off their connection. It's a good one on the pick and roll. Tyler actually looks for Bam and lobs to Bam, and they're not suicide passes. You're literally seeing it. What you always talk about when you're talking about Bam, you are seeing it. Harry, what does this do for you? Like, What do you like most about this recent Bam jump? And do you think it's actually sustainable? Or are we getting a, a fast one pulled on us for like, what, the fourth year in a row? Um, well, I mean, I always, I always get excited about it. I don't know if it's like being tricked or just like hoping we're finally there. Um, so I think that parts of it are real. The Tyler Bam connection is real. I think they said that of Tyler's, uh, I think, I don't remember how many assists he has over the last two games. Nine of them went to Bam. So that connection's real. Um, he is one of the guys that consistently looks for Bam. Uh, Bam had a ton of uh, paint points, which is really how he should be scoring because he's efficient down there and it's an easy shot for him. And I think a lot of it is like, oh, I also saw a good stat. The Heat are 8-3 and three when Bam takes more than 15 shots this year. So I really think that it's about, you know, getting him involved. It doesn't matter if Jimmy's playing or not. Um, he's your second best player. Um you know, you you need him to be your second or third best offensive player if you're going to succeed, and they kind of got to lean into it. He's, you know, he's it's a six-year in the league. He's 25, so he's not even at his prime yet. He has some ways to go. Um, you know, everyone was talking about Bam needing the three to develop. Bam needs the post game. I mean, that's going to really help the rest of his game. That That's more important to me than the three. The three – gives you more space on the court. But if you have spaces around him, that's not as important. Um, and I think that's kind of where we're at. We're um, we're seeing that he can do it. We know he can do it. So it's going to be frustrating if Jimmy comes back and he goes back to, you know, not – he doesn't need to score 30 a night. You just want to – you want him to shoot, put up enough shots consistently where you could say, wow, Bam played well. He was aggressive. Um, he did what he needed to do. You know, whether the shots go in or not are not are really not as important. You need him to just be looking for his shot. And he has the last two nights. It's led to wins. And I think they should keep writing that formula. I'm not saying that, you know, we're not going to need big games from Jimmy whenever he comes back. But I do think him sitting out have kind of helped the team realize, like, whatever you think about Hero, he's an important part of the team. Um, even if he's not shooting well, you know, you saw last game he got the triple-double even while not shooting uh, so well because he was getting other guys involved. Uh, he is a good rebounder for his size that we were missing. We talked about that on the pod before. And he is the one guy that consistently gets Bam involved. I think a lot of people's issues with, like Lowry, for example, is everyone thought he'd come in and get Bam involved, and he hasn't really done that when he's out there. At least it's not a consistent effort to get the ball to Bam. So whatever it takes, um, we got to feed Bam. 
He needs to be shooting over 15. 15 seems like the, the number, uh, you know, 15 shots a game. And let's continue to get him involved because good things happen. There are very few guys in the league that can really stop him one-on-one. He's too fast. He's too strong. He has to take advantage of his his gifts and his physical abilities, and he's starting to do that. And we just have to hope that he can do that when Jimmy comes back and other guys start getting into the lineup, that it doesn't take away from Bam because um, – and we said this last year too, like Bam scoring at this level or the ability to do it is a game changer in the postseason. And that's really when we need it, and that's what we were kind of missing last year. We got it a few games, but it wasn't consistent. And that consistent second scorer next to Jimmy in the postseason is probably going to make or break uh, what this Heat team can do. And we need to see it more consistently from Bam, but it's definitely a good start, and it, hopefully it continues. I agree. Like, the, the huge thing for me was in that Atlanta game, Whatever reason, last year in the playoffs, Bam was like allergic to John Collins. He was going, he was just going at him in this late in the uh, most recent Atlanta game. Th- that's things that you weren't seeing from him previously. It was like there was someone, obviously not as talented as Bam, but someone around the same size as Bam. When he was matched up against somebody like that, he would be a little opposed to go down in the post and work on his bag. These last two games, especially, he's shown a bag down low. He's not just dribbling down and then throwing something up. He's hitting him with a little behind, you know, like he, he's backing him down. He's lowering his shoulder. He's showing his strength and his speed to get around people like John Collins too. Not a dig of John Collins. I kind of want them to trade for John Collins, but that's neither here nor there. I really, really do like though, just his, his willingness to actually take those shots down low too, and not settling for a 17 foot jumper. He's, he's not Kevin Garnett. He should, he's more, he's stronger and faster than Kevin Garnett. He can get to the basket more consistently. You don't have to settle for a mid range, Jimmy all the time like he was doing earlier in the year. So, George, what about you? What have you really seen that you've loved from Bam's recent ascension? Like, what's the one thing that's really jumped off the page for you? I don't know if you can, um, if you can hear this, but this was my reaction to, to Bam's, uh, you know, last, last two games. See, this is, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. I, I, Aggressive Bam just has the ability to have everything that's gone shit in my life in the last like few years, maybe even close to a decade, just to fly away into the wind. Because when he scores 30 points and when he plays well and when he knows he can play well, it makes me happy. Out of every player in this organization's history, it, you know, I've been a fan of the Heat for close to 15 years now. There's very few players that that give have the ability to make me just like just fly off the charts with excitement when I'm watching them and, 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 you know, just makes me the happiest person on the planet. And Bam Adebayo is one of these players that just makes me just a better person for after watching him and makes me want to do stuff with my life. But he is fine. He finally decided that, you know, now was the, the time that he needed to break out. No Jimmy, no distractions. And in, in that's, I'm not, not calling Jimmy a distraction, but just knowing that, he had to have played well to win the games, and it's and it, the proof is in the pudding. Back to back thirty point games, back to back wins against you know a Wizards team that has talent and and a Hawks team that you know uh, falsely has uh, championship uh, hopes, but <laughs> that's a that's that's their problem. It's not our problem. But he he won. You know he won the game for us. He really did. And 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 Tyler Hero comes in a whole different uh, argument. There's a whole different story there. But I'm going to quickly go back to Bam. He's 
mental is one of the hardest to to understand things I've ever seen. He does everything out of necessity. He'll never go out of his way to actually, you know, he'll very rarely when Jimmy's on the floor to have a game where we say, you know what, he really took it over. He really dominated. He really showed us what he's, what he's capable of. Um, the most recent time to that was probably the last game of the, of the playoffs against the, against Boston last season. But seeing him play like this, it just makes me, it, it gets me hoping that when Jimmy comes back, he'll realize that he has the ability to change the game, to have a massive impact on the game. It's not just about, you know, I, I get that what he, whatever he does is for the team. He says it all the time. Everything he does is to help the team win. But sometimes scoring a bunch and being dominant in the paint is something you need to do to win games. Especially when, you know, a lot a lot of teams, you know, have, you know, taller players and they dominate the paint. If But he has, you know, he's 6'9", full of muscle, can absolutely dominate the paint. Watching him do it, you know, against, the, uh, you know, Christopher uh, Singers, who is having a really, really, really good uh, season. And the Hawks team who didn't have Clint Capella, but can really, really take it over as well. Look, he, it just makes me hope that he can finally find his groove with good players as well. Hopefully, when Jimmy comes back, he keeps it up. The Tyler Hero argument works really well. I, I think Harry um, put it put it together nicely as well. Even though he's not shooting well, he does get Bam involved. The triple double yesterday just you know shows that he was impacting the floor on, on on a few different levels as well. It's still really annoying the fact that he went zero of eight from three because we did pay him to shoot. He's, he, we paid him to be the focal point of the offense, you know, uh, and to take the load of Jimmy as well. But I'm not too sure. Uh, obviously, he's just come back from injury. It's going to take some time for him to reintegrate into the offense as well. Hopefully, it's just growing pains as well. Um, but seeing him get the triple-double was, was, was nice as well. Look, I, I just hope that Bam can keep it up. Hopefully, his mental is not going to shatter when Jimmy comes back in. Hope maybe he's bullying him too much. I don't know what Jimmy's doing to him, but when Jimmy's off the floor... Bam is that guy. So let's just hopefully he can keep it up. I'm glad both of you also touched on Tyler Hero too, because it's like, yeah, there's a serious connection there. And there is a difference in, in Bam's aggression when you really do have Tyler Hero out there feeding him the ball. And yeah, George mentioned it as well. He's not shooting great, but you know, when you're actually doing what you're doing out there and doing it well, like giving Bam the ball and forcing him to shoot more, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. And if you're Miami, Bam is just really simply put a one-stop shop for literally everything you need. You, you name it, lockdown defense, rebounding, passing, and now scoring. And if you're a basement sports listener, Simple Health Advisors can be everything you need too. A primary sponsor of the Basement Sports Network, Simple Health Advisors, insurance doesn't need to be complicated. Email them or give them a call today and tell them that the basement sent you. You can email James Poe at simplehealthadvisors.com or you can give them a call at 321 321- Three four five seven seven three eight. Now moving on to some some of the bigs behind Miami too, because we have been gushing about them on this three game winning streak so far in the pod for the first what twenty seven minutes now. But just because Miami is winning does not mean you should look the other way on some consistently confusing issues. We've talked about it to death almost on the pod so far, like the eight man rotation, and yeah, it, recently that is more because of just straight injuries there. But there are some weird constants that you're seeing as well, like like the Jovic minutes. They, they continue to be a head-scratcher for me. I mean, they're listing him as, what, a, a quote-unquote foot injury. That's why he's questionable for the first game in Boston. I'm not buying it. Smoke keeps taking him out of games, and the offense kind of sputters like you saw in that Washington game. There's no excuse for him to be, if we want to look 
further back, yeah. That game in Washington that they blew, you can't – there's no reason to not have Jovic out there. Those are good experience minutes in the fourth quarter when your offense is just dead and you're trying to feed through Haywood Highsmith. And I'll get to him in a little bit, don't you worry. But the, the team – in my opinion, as currently constructed, is not ready to win it all. They're not ready to win a championship with the players that are currently on the roster as a whole. That can change, and I think that will change based on moves that they do make, but that's still more of a reason to give Jovic some extra minutes here because the options behind Jovic on the bigs of this team are even slimmer than he is. You got Deadman, who, like I said earlier, he has not been ass in his role lately. He has been good. He's been hitting threes at a pretty good clip. I, I Someone retweeted on the timeline. It was like an absurd percentage from Deadman lately on threes. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I remember when I saw it, it was like, I raised my eyebrows. I was like, Dwight Deadman is shooting what from three? And it's felt like that too. He's been making good shots, but technically behind him, you have what? Hey, what Highsmith? And I got to tell you, Highsmith has a very, very, he has to be some kind of sleeper agent because his Wemby agenda is off the charts. Every time that man steps on foot on the court, he's doing everything in his damn power to lose them the game. And I respect that from an aspect of, if you want a good draft pick, you play Haywood Highsmith and he will inevitably fuck something up. It's, it is incredible to watch how can he had that one game in Washington where he wasn't dog shit. He had that one game. Everything else from Haywood Highsmith has been like grabbing two number two pencils and drilling them into my corneas. I can't deal watching this man attempt to play basketball. Someone's going to clip this and I'll see it on Twitter, I'm sure, because I'm laying into this dumbass right now. Then, then he had the balls. He had the big balls to put on his Instagram story. What, what quote? Who's he? Screen, it was Kendrick Nunn. He, he screen capped a Kendrick Nunn tweet saying, I hear all the, all the noise. Hey, what? I hope you hear all the noise from riding the fucking bench. You don't deserve to be on the court. His ego is astronomically big, and it it's, it almost cancels out how terrible he is on the court. But that's that's my Haywood Highsmith rant, and that's the first time I've gone on a legit rant on this podcast. So I've held off for seven episodes now, so it's about time you guys got one. But I, I want to ask you guys now, because I've been chatting for way too long, what is your biggest pet peeve up to this point? Has it been the misuse of the roster uh, spots, the number of roster spots? Has it been the eight-man rotation? Has it been the Jovich minutes? What, what consistent issue has just been pissing you off the most? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would say, I don't know exactly what how to uh, describe it succinctly, but it's essentially like, I feel like Spo picks the guy who's playing the worst that night and plays them a lot more than you should be or anyone else would. Um, so recently, like, that was a good rant. Um, props to you. I, I don't think Highsmith should be on an NBA roster. So it's odd that he's playing big minutes for Miami. I understand they're injured, and I understand um, that I didn't think he was bad last year in spot minutes, but, like, he's just not it. And so my confusion is you could save some money by cutting him before – I want to say there's, like, a date in December that you could save a little bit of money. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's making $400,000 right now. It goes up to $700,000 at some point. Um, I think it within the next few weeks and then, um, you know, and then uh, it would obviously be guaranteed if he made it through till next season, which he won't. I think they're just, maybe they're trying to play him to show a team that he's worth an investment. But I feel like if you watch him, um, you realize that's not the case at all and that he shouldn't be in the NBA. So 
you know, it, so it's it's a, it's a bit of that and a bit of the the roster itself because as we've spoken about before, you know, whatever you think about UD as a you know being on the roster and a, and a and a player coach at this point, he's really not playing a lot. So that's a roster spot that really isn't being used. Um, Highsmith is essentially, as you said, a, a sleeper cell agent. So you know he's helping the other team. You have the empty roster spot. So you're basically coming into a season where every other team is playing 15 guys and you have 12 plus you have injuries. Um, Jimmy's missing time every year. You know, Tyler always has some issues with his lower body. Uh, Kyle at this point is going to miss time playing 40 minutes a game. So, um, you know, this, it's possible that they have a plan for the second half of the season where they're going to make a couple moves and bring in some new guys, you know, dump dead men and figure that out. But it's just like, um, you had the whole summer to figure this out, so why are we sitting here 20 something games in being like this is just not a roster that might even make it to the trade deadline? And I just think that's frustrating both as a fan, as us doing this more, um, you know, at a podcaster level. Like it's just frustrating because we're, we're <laughs> now we have to watch the games on top of just wanting to, and um, I think it's just a little frustrating that aspect that we have a bunch of guys who um, probably would not be playing for other teams. And even though it's a testament to Miami that they can usually give us some productive minutes um, in short stints, we don't need to be, we shouldn't be relying on huge Deadman minutes. We shouldn't be relying on huge high Smith minutes. Um, you know, while I think a lot of us would like to see Jovic playing, a lot more. I don't think any of us expected him to play big minutes when we drafted him. So again, just kind of having to depend on these players um, when there was the ability to do other things and make moves is overall a little frustrating for me. Like you said too. Yeah. Sometimes we watch the games because we want to other times we watch them because we want to be able to know what we're talking about, whether on a post game stream or here or on a spaces and, yeah, watching Haywood Highsmith play 30 minutes of basketball a night sometimes is a chore. It, it, that is, it, it's emotionally draining, and that's the last time I'm going to take a shot at Haywood Highsmith until he posts something about me on his Instagram story. George, what is your biggest pet peeve? I, I'm sure you're going to have something to say about Drew Smith and Jamari Bouye. There's like nine questions in what I've been in what I've heard over the last thing. I've got so much I want to say quickly, but I'm going to I'm going to stagger it out and actually answer the questions. My biggest pet peeve is having a lot of talent in the reserve, a lot of talent in the shadow, and just not letting them shine. Players like Jamal Kane, players like Jamari Bouye, who's actually been killing it in the G League. And I've been watching a few G League games as well. Call me crazy. I'm just really bored sometimes. I'm like, you know what? What's the Sioux Falls sky? Very, very crazy. I I am crazy. crazy. I know. But as as content creators and as, as podcasters as we are, how dare you take the Mickey out of the greatest the greatest bad player in one of the best, sorry, one of the greatest bad players in heat history in Hayward Highsmith. He's content. That is content. I watch him play 40 minutes. He's like that uncle at the barbecue. He goes, you know what? If I had 35 minutes in the NBA, I get that. I'd do that. It's like, it's like he's doing it on a dare, but we should have known he was a sleep agent. We should have known this. Do you know why? Because in Philadelphia, when he was playing for them and Dwayne Wade was about to go for that off the backboard lob, and just make all of our weeks, and then who's that? Oh, undrafted rookie Haywood Highsmith's come out of nowhere to ruin the day. Ah, oh. and he's and it's just like it's it's that that to me was just the most 
disrespectful thing. He is he is one of the greatest players to ever touch a basketball. He's in his final season, and you just you don't let him go off the back the backboard lob to himself. Are you crazy? As a fan of the game, you should just sit there and go. You know what? We're down by twenty with four minutes left, with three minutes left, and and Jay, Dwayne Wade's about to lob it off the backboard. Let me stand there and get the best seat in the house for a second. No, you ruined it. You ruined it for yourself. You ruined it for the Heat fans. I don't trust you. But he gives you good minutes sometimes. You know, that's he's a healthy body. He's just being chucked out there. He might not play well. He might not play well at all. But he's there. Um, going to the, the you know, backup BAM argument as well. Dwayne Demon had probably the best game we're going to see him play in a long time. 14 minutes, 6 of 7, um, if my memory serves me right. 13.6 boards. I think he had a plus minus of plus seven, which if you remember back earlier in the season, that's really, really good for him. That's really good. That's like plus 40 on any other night for any other player. That's fantastic. But look, I I, I refuse to believe that the Heat organization is sitting there and, and, and he's playing stupid. I, I he, Sorry, he's actually stupid. I don't think they, I don't think they believe that, you know, Hayward Highsmith is, is a player that they're going to, you know, that they're planning on building around, you know, the main roster in the future as well. That's why they're playing him 40 minutes a night, 35 minutes, 25 minutes. You know, these players, I, I don't believe that that he they're, they're developing, developing him for a future role in this team. Um, It might have gone to something Harry wants to, uh, you know, Harry has said before in the sense of they're just trying to build up, you know, maybe some value in them, maybe some, um, you know, so some salary cap uh, moves as well. But I'll, I'll pass my, you know, my time to Harry quickly because he put his hand up. I want to, I want to hear his, his, what he has to say. Oh, sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just, I, I, I like the point that you made that I thought, like, um, I think because they're so good at development, like they should be shipping these guys out the moment they know they're not worth it anymore. So, you know, if, like we've watched enough of Drew Smith where, where we're like, he's a fine player. I don't know if he's really like super NBA quality guy. I mean, maybe he's super end of the bench kind of guy, but next, like bring in the next two way guy. Let's see what we got. And they, that's how they should be using these spots because you got the two spots. You got 50 games to figure out if they're the guy, if you want to you know, sign them next year or whatever. I think that's how they should. They've seen enough of Drew Smith next. Like if they didn't like Orlando Robinson enough, fine next, bring in Booya, bring in whoever, see what you can do. And then with high Smith, like, I think people have this misinterpretation of value. Like people were saying, oh man, like for example, I can't believe I'm trashing him because he hasn't played recently, but I, I'm just going to do it because it's my thing. But people were saying, oh yeah, you know, like if Duncan comes out shooting the lights out, he's going to be, you know, what a, his, his trade. It's like, no, it's not. He, everyone knows who he is. Yes, you would like him to be a 40% three-point shooter. I think he's far away from that kind of consistent guy now, at least with whatever's floating on in his head game to game. But um, you know what he is. He's not a good defender. He's not going to give you much else except for shooting. So if he's not shooting well, he's not doing a lot out there. You know, and he's committing a bunch of fouls. So it's the same thing with these um, with these guys. Like, we know Highsmith is not it. Um, at this point, he's just – it's trade fodder. It's trade filler. It's salary to move. So, you know, figure out the trade that makes sense. I was saying, I was saying earlier, like – if the, he wanted to make a move earlier, like people talk about Duncan's salary being used in a bigger move, they should make a move two months before the trade deadline for any guy that, that takes less years than him, bring him into the system. If he doesn't work out or, you know, it's the same issue with Duncan, then two months later you can aggregate his salary somewhere else 
and you've now given yourself two different looks at a guy that like if you trade for that guy and he and the team's doing great and he fills the need like you've answered the question and if he's not you you haven't altered anything like you know people are saying oh you're going to change the chemistry the chemistry of what a guy who goes out there and has no confidence himself like that's how i feel same with like same with Highsmith. Like I'd rather I know Kane hasn't looked great. I'd rather play the younger guy and see what he can do because we know that Highsmith isn't it. So um and like you were saying, I'd bring up Booyah, see what he can like that's what I would do. If you're not sure and you have all this flux and injuries, like just continue to rotate guys. I wouldn't worry if someone else signs them, who cares? Um, and that's kind of how they should be viewing it because at this point, we all kind of know they have to make it to the February 9th the trade deadline. They have to kind of make it to that point with a decent record. Um, if they want to be making a move. And we know they're not going to tank, even though it might be uh, smart from year to year. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, they got to be bringing in guys, trying new things. Let Spo be a madman, whatever, because, you know, Highsmith for 40 minutes a night, Deadman, you know, doing his thing. It's just not – yeah, it's not going to work. So, you know, they'll, they'll run off a few games. There are teams that are worse than them in the NBA, so it's not like they can't beat some of these teams. But – you know, we're going to get a good view of them uh, the next few games against Boston. And I think um, I think you wanted to say something else, so I'll bring it back to you. I feel like the Miami Heat is, is the cliche 90s, early 2000s movie where it's the really popular jock from school and he wants the, you know, these friends have dared him to to pick the, the ugliest girl to take her to the dance. They saw Hayward Highsmith and they said, <laughs> the people, the executives around the NBA are like, this guy's ass... We don't want to deal with him. He's bad. And the Heat are like, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Let's try and make him a star. You know, let's try. Let's give him 40 minutes on, on the premier roster of the Miami Heat, one of the most successful organizations in recent history. Uh, not in terms of championships, but in terms of just general overall success. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, like I said before, I don't think that they're stupid. I feel like they can make those, you know, the, the right move um, and, and, Ahead of time, I believe that they, you know, they're always figuring out the next move. They're not going to trace their steps back and, and hope to God with anything. I feel like they calculate in every, anything that they do. I just hope that it's the right move. I just hope that it's the right move. When you're talking about, you know, moving a player like, um, uh, when we're talking about making the right move, I mean more in the fact that paying Duncan was not the right move. It wasn't the right move, but hopefully they, they, they continue to, you know, to look for another way to utilize him in in, in terms of a, of a trade or something like that. Hopefully, they can make the right move further down the track. But I'm looking at players like, if you want to maximize someone's value, you know, if that's the truth, Duncan Robinson should be playing. So then my my thinking goes back to, you know, what are they actually trying to do with him? Because if he's not playing, he's making all this money. A team's not going to willingly trade for a player like that. There's no way a team takes a waiver on a guy like Duncan Robinson. But I, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just hope they make the right move moving forward. George, that that was the most incredible analogy for the Miami Heat because they are not another team movie. That the Miami Heat are the not another team movie because they were dared to turn, you know chicken shit into chicken parm and supposed done it so many times. And all the executives say, but you can't do it again. And they keep doing it again, except this time they finally struck out. And before we go, I just wanted to tip my hat to Harry, because this is why I love having you on the show, Harry. 
we went 38 minutes without a lick of Duncan Robinson talk. <laughs> and your ass found a way to shoehorn. That's, you found a way. I love it. I absolutely love it so much. That that seems like the absolute perfect place to cap the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, spending some time with your favorite random scrubs. Take care, everyone, and remember to be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.